0: a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast hello
1: everyone and welcome inside another edition of a pack a day podcast wherever you may be and however you may be listening thank you for making us part of your day my name is Nick Schmitz and I will be your host for today and OTAs have started now for the Packers. Day one is under wraps now, and we have day two coming up today. So we'll be breaking down some of the OTAs and taking a look at some positions um, that have been trending quite a bit in Packers news um, recently. So the biggest news coming out of Green Bay most recently is Safety Josh Jones, who is not present for OTAs right now because he is looking to force a trade out of Green Bay. Um, Not necessarily happy from the sounds of it. Understandably understandably why. uh, They signed Adrian Amos in the offseason and then spent a first-round pick on Darnell Savage. So you go from a safety position that was so bad that he couldn't get on the field, uh, which maybe says a little bit more about him than anything else, but doesn't look like he would be part of the safety role in Green Bay. So uh, he has... I. I I don't know if he's officially requested a trade. Maybe my uh my two sidekicks here in Jacob and Owen. Uh they are joining me today. Um maybe they can give us a little bit more on that. But so let's start with Josh Jones. Um I guess him requesting a trade somewhat of a surprise, somewhat maybe not so much a surprise. Uh it, it it, it, he didn't he has he didn't play well last year and you, when you look at again before this offseason when they really kind of revamped the safety position he was a second round draft pick and for a second round draft pick to not be to like struggle to get on the field with how bad the safety group was last year um, maybe says something about his ability to play safety I know a lot of people kind of like him at that safety level, linebacker hybrid role Um, it's you know and right now it's unclear whether or not Green Bay is actually even interested in dealing him Um, but Owen your first initial reaction thoughts to Josh Jones wanting out of Green Bay
2: Uh, it was something I guess I didn't necessarily anticipate it but it makes sense I mean he's he's a guy that he wasn't drafted by Brian Gutekunst he wasn't uh, he was selected before Mike Patton got to Green Bay, so clearly there's there's no necessary there's no obligation to be, uh, you know. Brian Gutekunst and Mike Patton have invested nothing in Josh Jones, at least as far as far as a defensive coordinator and a general manager. Obviously, he's a part of the Packers and part of his success is their success and all that good stuff. But I mean, as far as from a, a strictly a personnel standpoint or relationship standpoint, neither of those two have that with him. So, um, you know, as you mentioned earlier, they, they signed Adrian Amos, uh, likely to play that strong safety spot. I guess, ideally, that's probably where Josh Jones probably should play. Uh, he's a guy that, when he was at North Carolina State, really played everywhere, uh, and he was the uh, a big-time chess piece, uh, a very talented athlete. There's no denying that. We've seen that. Uh, but – it's kind of struggled, I guess, to have to find the field in Green Bay. Uh, when he has played, he's played a lot, uh, but it hasn't been super consistent. Uh, so, I mean, he has over 1,200 snaps over the past two years, but there they're seem to be in like four to five week chunks that he'll play and then it'll kind of fade. So there's some issue there. Obviously they drafted Darnell Savage in the first round and uh, a clear amount of uh, defensive back investment over the past few years, even if you want to consider guys like Raven Green and Tony Brown making the team last year is undrafted free agents or Brown being picked up on waivers and, uh, you know, bringing in guys like Natrell Jamerson and Will Redmond, who have also been former draft picks uh, by other teams. So uh, Green Bay clearly looking to continue to add competition to the defensive back room and Josh Jones doesn't really have a spot Uh, and it's not due to any lack of physical talent or ability or anything. It just seems to be he's never really had a consistent position in Green Bay Uh, and, and that's a problem when you're bringing in guys to play specific spots. I think the other thing too, when you mentioned this, there's this stigma, I guess, maybe that's not the right word. There's this thought process that like, oh, well, if a big safety is a bad safety, just put him at linebacker. Uh, and, and from a a straight size and athleticism standpoint, Josh Jones is that profile. I mean, that's what you're looking for. Um, you know, I, I mean, I know, uh, Andy Herman put on Twitter the other day, if you put up he and. Devin Bush's size and, and athleticism and combine testing—they're really pretty similar. Uh, the problem is, is that Deion Bush, or excuse me, Devin Bush, is a really good linebacker, and I don't think Josh Jones probably is because he's never really played it before. Um, so you're taking this this safety who can't really find a way on the field. Um, like I said, whether it's a, a mental thing or, or a coaching thing, or he's in the doghouse, whatever the case may be, physical talent is not the issue, but. But finding this guy, uh, you know, he's a safety that can't play safety uh, and asking him to play linebacker. Theoretically, it works and Madden, it works, um, you know, but a lot of these guys, these quote unquote money linebackers like Dale Buchanan or, uh, you know, we've seen the Redskins do it with Josh Harvey Clemens or, or Mark Barron. Really, they play linebacker uh, because they're not good safeties; otherwise they would play safety. And a lot of times they're not really good linebackers either. They're just really fast. Uh, so you kind of take the good with the bad. So um make it off my soapbox and let Jacob talk. But that was, that's my kind of thought is that I don't know if, if the, um, like I said, it works in Madden, but I don't know if the the path to success for Josh Jones is as clear as maybe Twitter makes it out to be. Uh, And and apparently that isn't the case in green Bay either. Uh, And obviously there's, there's some uh, chasm between the two right now, but uh, I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. I guess it makes sense. I think he probably got, picked over or lost his spot, but uh, I I don't know if holding out an attempt to trade, I don't know if he's got as much leverage as as he maybe thinks or as he might, uh, had he played more, but um, nonetheless, I mean, I guess it makes sense, but it's, uh, like I said, I'm curious to see how this turns out because I don't know which side really has more leverage here.
1: Yeah, and, and Jacob, I want to get your thoughts on this here quick. So your thoughts on him wanting to trade, uh, but also, I guess, m- more importantly, when you start looking at Josh Jones – Obviously, with the way they've built the safety position, he wouldn't be slated as a starter more than likely right now at the safety position. So, what what does he offer the Packers if they decide not to trade him? Because just because he wants a trade doesn't mean they have to trade him. Um, obviously, but so if they decide to keep him and keep him on the roster, what what does he bring to the team and? Do you see him bringing more value at that, you know, quote-unquote hybrid linebacker safety position, or do you think they would just keep him at safety and play him when needed?
3: A lot there. Um, First off, my kind of thoughts on it is that it's disappointing just because maybe I'm higher on Jones than most are. I know he hasn't really done a whole lot to, to prove that, but, you know, I was at... Uh, The Cardinals game this past year, he got a sack, and he looked like he was shot out of a cannon. That's something that sticks out in my head. And his game against the Cincinnati Bengals was another game we kind of all were talking about today. And that was a game that I was at as well, and it was maybe the best defensive game a Packers player has had in the last five years. I mean, I don't think that's too crazy to say. It's just, I don't know. It's one of those things with Jones of you mentioned it, how just because he requested a trade doesn't mean he's going to get one. And I would be willing to bet that he's not going to get one unless he just becomes a big time malcontent in the locker room to the point where it's like, okay, we'll take anything to get him out of here. Uh, Similar, not quite the same situation, but similar to what they did to Ty Montgomery was just taking anything they could to get him out of the locker room. They had to at that point. Uh, But I don't know if they're going to trade him. I don't know what all you can get for him. I know there's obviously been some suggestions, But with him being a second round pick and the level of athlete that he is, which Owen kind of mentioned, is it worth like a fifth round pick? I mean, realistically, and that's probably what you're looking at in a best case scenario as far as what Jones would bring back in a trade, or like a kind of like in what is it, in basketball, they do the bad contract for bad contract swap. This in football would be like, you know, the the didn't work out draft pick for another didn't work out draft pick. Looking for a change of scenery, kind of thing. I tend to think that Jones provides at least some value from the standpoint of put him near the line of scrimmage and make him, you know, do think he can be a specialty kind of player. Now he's got a lot of things that he's got to clean up in terms of his game. Like I, I read a stat today that he was flagged twice for offsides on a kickoff last year. <laughs> there were like thirteen penalties all season called on kickoffs like that so that's crazy to me that that's even possible and you He's can't even
1: run like, up to the ball anymore
3: right yeah
1: <laughs> i didn't Let i didn't think. even think about that that makes that stat ridiculously insanely stupid
3: yeah i mean that part's frustrating you know the other part that's frustrating is i know that draft it gets a lot of a lot of talk because the packers took kevin king instead of tj watt now i'm not going right. to rehash that but they also took Josh Jones instead of Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, somebody <laughs> somebody argued Alvin Kamara was picked a couple picks later. I I mean, Kamara's a great player. I just don't think that he would be as good having played Mike McCarthy's system the last couple of years. But Jones hasn't panned out. If he sticks around, I mean, you're talking about a guy that was going to be kind of a specialty box safety, dime line. Like, they called him a dime linebacker when they drafted him. That was their plan, but now you think about it a year ago, Brian Gutekunst, who did not draft Josh Jones, traded up to draft a dime linebacker, and his name's Oren Burks. So there's a lot there. I, There are some things that point to like it being obvious, quote-unquote, that Josh Jones is going to be on his way out the door, and there's some other things when you just think about it from a value standpoint that it just doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't think ultimately I would have to guess that He's in camp in Green Bay. Uh, Tremont Williams was talking about some stuff that he said to him, which was kind of eye opening at the same time. Um, but yeah, it's it's frustrating because you know it's always seems to be something with him. You know, last year when Kentrell Bryce was starting over him, he started athletes. If you're listening to the show, and please, I'm sure you all are, stop tweeting, <laughs> like just. When in doubt, don't tweet it. Write it down, text it to a friend, something. But in the end, especially this day and age, the only thing it's going to do is hurt you. Jones eventually tweeted something. Somebody from the Packers had to have seen it and said something to him almost instantly because 10 minutes later, I don't remember what the tweet said. But the tweet was taken down and his account was deactivated. So it just always seems to be something with him. So maybe he is better served being elsewhere. But he's one of those guys that If he figures it out somewhere else, I mean, athletic freak, you're going to really kick yourself that they weren't able to do that in Green Bay.
1: Yeah, and, well, you know, the one thing, though, that we know for sure, what we saw from Gudekunst last year, is if he presents himself as enough of a problem in the locker room for how little he has done, I don't think Gudekunst is going to have any problem shipping him out of Green Bay, which um, can be a blessing and a curse in the sense that you've got no problem getting rid of somebody that doesn't want to be there. But, like you guys have mentioned, he seems to be a freak athlete, and, you know, you'd really maybe like to give him a second year in in this new defensive system and you know another just a year under his belt I'd like to see him stick around if at all possible and see if he can develop and if if after this year it's just it's not working you know maybe it is time to move on but I personally would really like to see him back in Green Bay uh you know for at least one more year
2: well, and it's really been interesting too cuz like if you just look at the sheer number of safeties that Green Bay like played last year. I mean, they had what? They had Ibrahim or Ibrahim Campbell, uh Kentrell Bryce obviously was there, Raven Green played. Uh, I mean, Eddie Jermaine, Pleasant. Jermaine, Jermaine Whitehead, Eddie Pleasant, I mean, there's Tramon a lot of Williams.
1: guys. That,
2: there's a lot of guys um and really like none of those guys should play over Josh Jones. Um obviously they play different roles. I'm not you know implying that, but Josh Jones is more physically talented than any of those guys. I mean, I think Josh Jones is a – I would venture to say a top, I don't know, 3 to 4% like NFL athlete. Like He's a big dude who's really fast, and he's really freaky twitchy. That doesn't always make you a good football player, though. Um, and, and we've seen shades of it. Like Jacob said, I mean, against the, the the Bengals last year, he was very good. And he's one of those guys that he'll always receive chances because he's got all the tools. I mean, potential can get you fired, but potential is, is, you know, a lot of people don't have it. So, I mean, like, he's one of those guys that you wonder, like, and they mentioned it, you wonder, I, I I put the take out there, oh, well, oh, Baltimore wants to trade Tim Williams for him? Okay, I'll draw up the paperwork. You know, like, it's just, I mean, the example of guys that really haven't worked out how you thought they might uh, in multiple spots, but, I mean, he's a guy that, is that as long as, if, if he gets his stuff figured out, I mean, he's what, 22, 23 years old. Clearly none of us have ever said or done anything that we didn't mean at 22 or 23 years old or that looks back on and and thought was foolish. Uh, if Tremont Williams can get to him, if these veterans can kind of rein him in uh, and kind of get his head back on straight, if that's the issue, um, you know, then he's certainly a guy that can help this team, uh, but it's got to come together. And I mean, I think that's something that we just haven't seen
1: consistently enough absolutely well we'll uh, who, who knows how long it'll be till we find out the ultimate fate of josh jones but uh hopefully he's sticking around so well let's move on to otas they're officially underway now um yesterday was the first day of otas and um so there's one notable player, truly uh, notable player, that was missing from OTAs yesterday. That's Devonte Adams. Uh, right now we're not totally sure um, why he didn't uh, practice yesterday, but like we were all talking before the show, this is kind of a no big deal at this point, correct? It's, it's OTAs as much as we would love him to be out there working with the team, uh, until he's not practicing come training camp in July, uh, should Packer fans be worried at all that Devontae Adams didn't practice yesterday?
3: Nope. It's the, I like the way Owen said it before. It's the fourth preseason game. It's just like three weeks long. So it's important (laughs) for the guys who are new, maybe a little more important for the veterans this year because they're learning the system. But something we got to remember is there are portions of this part where the veterans in recent years, haven't participated anyways, like Brian Belaga, Aaron Rodgers, players like that. I think it's the mini camp that Mike McCarthy typically excused them from, but yeah, I mean, Devontae Adams rolls out of bed and is a top five receiver in the NFL. So I'm not too concerned about him having only if it nags. I mean, if it's a nagging injury, we talked about it the last time we all met up that, I mean, the Packers have one proven wide receiver on the roster at this point in time. So that's the scary part is we're kind of learning early that maybe having, you know, one wide receiver like that on your roster wasn't necessarily the best idea.
2: Yeah. Well, right. And and that's I mean, that's why you don't play him. I mean, if he's not 100 percent, I mean, if he's got a hangnail or if he's got, you know, uh, uh, turned his ankle yesterday because he was on the sidewalk and part of it rolled off, you know, like anything that's not 100 percent good to go. He doesn't need to play. Because literally every other receiver on the roster needs more reps than Devontae Adams does. So if that's if that's what it takes is that I'm only 92%. I really don't feel like going today. I don't have to go today. Um, you know, it's, it's not going to be – there's no adverse effects to me not practicing. I mean, I, that's – like I said, it's finally me. If Reuben Foster tore his ACL, Tyler Croft broke his foot. Those are problems in OTAs. Sitting out the first day but you're there, not a problem
1: at all well and that's kind of how I, I that's the way i looked at it but just letting packer nation know just because he's not there you know nobody nobody needs to freak out I'm not saying anybody is freaking out but just in case you're one of those people out there that's kind of worried about him um it'll be fine so two more things from otas that i that i wanted to kind of direct at you guys so um now, granted, this was put out as the first play of 11-on-11 11 11 drills um, from Rob Dimonsky. Um Obviously, Adams wasn't there, so the two starting wide receivers were Geronimo Allison, which I don't think any of us find as a surprise that he would be the number two, moving into that number one with Adams out. But then um, Marquez Valdez-Scantling was the number three. Um, I know there's kind of been a debate as to whether MVS or EQ should be that three. Ultimately, they're probably close enough right now that the gap between which one's three and which one's four isn't really that large, but does it to, to you guys and, and Owen, I'll start with you. Does it, does it mean anything to you that MVS got the nod necessarily for the very first 11 on 11 snap over, over EQ?
2: I'll tell you what, if Mike McCarthy was still the head coach, then yeah. Um, You know, we we just don't know. I mean, this is the first time that we've seen a Matt LaFleur offense in Green Bay. He talked about it after practice. He said the wide receiver room is like putting together a basketball team. You're just trying to find the guys with different skill sets. We don't know exactly where he wants the guys yet. We don't know if he's going to play Devontae in the slot more. We don't know who he wants. Does he want a big slot? Does he want a quick guy? Does he want big dudes outside? Is Valdez-Scantling going to play the Julio spot like he did in Atlanta, this, the big speed guy on the outside. I, there's just a lot of things we don't know. So I guess maybe it, it's maybe uh, an endorsement of the faith that they have in in Marquez that, that he made that first unit, that first – but, I mean, I by no means would I worry about the development of E.Q. St. Brown or, um, you know, what – whether one or the other, like I said, it was one day of OTAs uh, and they're go- they and they have to try everybody places because they're evaluating. They don't know how, you know, um, only really Matt LaFleur and Alvis and Witted and, and you know, Nate Hackett and whatever other, like the offensive coaches really know who they have planned for what spots and what roles they want them to play. Um, you know, so, I mean, they're going to all get reps at everything and, and, and they'll kind of see where those chips fall, I think. But I guess, like I said, no reason to worry about E.Q. St. Brown or like he's a disappointment to the coaching staff or something like that just because he wasn't out, you know, with the first 11 personnel grouping.
1: And so, Jacob, I want to give you the flip side of the ball here. So, um, the two starting corners were Jair Alexander, which I don't think any of us find as a surprise. Um, but the other one was Tremon Williams. Now, again, Owen kind of mentioned, you know, it's you know, new coaching staff. Now, obviously, Mike Pettin is back from last year. But do you, do you, Jacob, see Tremon Williams being? a number one or a number two corner starting the season, or do you expect somebody else to step in there and play on the other side of Jair Alexander?
3: Um, Well, you know, I'm reminded, like, when Mike McCarthy was still the head coach, that Devon House was a starter last year in OTAs, and it took about two seconds for Kevin King and Jair Alexander to end up in the starting lineup. So Tremont Williams is a better player maybe right now than Devon house ever was. So that's not really a fair comparison in that case, I guess, but just to point out that things can change quickly, I would guess that Tremont Williams is kind of the, I think in a perfect world, how this works is Kevin King and Josh Jackson take steps and that um, Tremont Williams basically becomes like the de facto fifth cornerback slash cornerback coach that fills in when a guy gets dinged in the middle of a game, but you're not relying on him to be a starter throughout the course of a season. So I would, I would be willing to guess that's how the Packers want it to work as well. From what I read today, it looks like Kevin King was doing individual drills and everything like that. So maybe they're working him back slowly. You know, we're going to learn more, a lot more when training camp starts. Um, And not only as training camp starts, but as some of these preseason, you know, everybody points out how, oh, the preseason's terrible, the preseason doesn't matter, and I get it. You know, I want to sit down and watch Aaron Rodgers throw passes to Devontae Adams too, but there are some things about those games that are beneficial. It's just not to the players that, you know, the casual fan's going to be watching on Sunday afternoon. So they don't give a damn, well, maybe Owen does, but they don't give a damn if Alex Light's footwork is better or, you know, something like that, that matters to those guys. That's why I think that, you know, even though, it's horrible when someone like Jordy Nelson has a torn ACL in the preseason that I've always thought it was a necessary evil, especially with the limits that you have on padded practices, time with these players, anything like that. I think the preseason is a necessary evil. And it's for stuff like that to bring this thing whole, whole thing full circle. Does Tremont Williams need to play in the preseason? No. Do games like that help you figure out hey, is Josh Jackson still really grabby with his hands? Is Tony Brown, has he taken a step from last season? How's Jair Alexander look uh, outside and in the slot? Because we've kind of played him in both of those slots. That's what those things are for. And I think a lot of that stuff will sort itself out as the games get started. The good news is last year, I remember the opening game against the Bears. The starting corners were Kevin King and Tremont Williams. And then eventually he kind of used, Mike Pettin used Josh Jackson to take away Trey Burton and Jair Alexander to take away Tariq Cohen. And that was his adjustment. And the Bears off, well, there's a lot of reasons the Bears offense didn't do anything. But one of the big reasons for that in the second half was Pettin's adjustments to those things to basically take those guys away. And they have a secondary that really can, if they're healthy, and that's always a big thing, but they can match up with any type of receiving core that you run into.
1: Absolutely. And I I think we can all agree that, you know, as as interesting as some of this stuff is, again, right now, it's day one of OTAs. We're not putting this isn't we're not even to training camp or preseason games. This is all just, hey, they're running drills and these are the guys that are out there. So it's not like. It's not, like you said, Jacob, it's not like things can't change quickly, and I'm sure that that things are going to look a lot different come July for training camp.
2: Well, and I mean, like, someone like Tremont Williams, the first day of camp is the perfect day to trot him out there as a starter because is there another corner on the roster that's above, like, 25 years old? I mean, like, in all reality, Tremont Williams, is. and they talk about this, and and people, you know, want to, like, wax poetic about it. Tremont Williams is a professional football player. And he's known how to prepare like one for a long time. I mean, it makes me feel old every day. Yeah, well, he's the one that had to pick six against the Falcons in the playoffs back in what, 2010. I mean, like, he's been a high-level professional for a very long time. He knows how Mike Patton wants stuff done. He knows how the defensive backs coach wants stuff taught. And he's a perfect guy. And like Jacob said, to be, by the end of the year, he's a player coach. And he's a guy that can help help the younger guys with those little things. He can be a bit of a mentor. He can be a bit of a, a position coach who can also step in. And, and you're not – I mean, he's not going to set the world on fire. But, I mean, he's a guy that you can count on and depend on. And when you've got a ton of guys who are learning this scheme for the first time that really haven't done it a ton, uh, having a guy out there who's going to do it the right way, how they want it done – and, and do it lead by example. That's who you want. Um, just one quick comment, uh, like you guys were talking about with the preseason stuff, the casual fan complains about preseason games and they don't care about, you know, guys 30 through 90 on the roster, right? The problem is, is that when deep in the year, when guys are getting called up from the practice squad and guys are hurt and guys are playing a lot, and they're like, yeah, well, these guys stink. Why do they have them for those games? So they can evaluate them and they can get reps and they can get some experience because, like Jacob said, with the, the new CPA there's just not a ton of time. The two biggest things that have suffered from that are tackling and blocking. And, you know, what do good teams do? They tackle and they block. You know, so, I mean, it's it's a it's an issue. As much evaluation as you can get on your guys as you can, it's always beneficial. You need to do it. So, yes, while I understand it might not be the most aesthetically pleasing thing to watch Tim Boyle throw passes to Robert Tanya, well, maybe for Andy, but not for anyone else. <laughs> I mean, to, to watch that stuff, or to, see, to see Adam Pankey and Alex Light line up a tackle and have Dylan Day play center, you know, it, it's not the, the, the most awesome thing to watch. And I get that, but the teams that have the best roster spots 40 through 53 or 40 through 45 on a game day, those are the teams that use those effectively. Those are the teams that are good because they're able to weather those storms of injuries or, or whatever the case may be. Uh, so, I mean, that's, Of utmost importance. So these things like this and and half of these preseason games when you're not going to see a ton of starters on starters or good on good, that's what this stuff is for so that when teams need these guys, because you don't always know what you have, I mean that's that's what you're there. So I mean like I'm full, like the first person to admit like nobody cares about watching the 10th receiver against whatever, but like the teams do because the teams need that tape for the players so they know where they're at and to evaluate and they know who they can trust and who they can't. So That's exactly what these things are for. So, like I said, when Tremont Williams lines up at corner, okay. You know, if if MVS goes out in the slot or as the third receiver before EQ, okay. I mean, you got to try it all out because otherwise you don't know what it looks like.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, like you were saying – People may not care about these matchups, but you know, fan favorite Jake Kumoro probably doesn't make this roster at all if it's not for those preseason games and for his ability to show what he can do. So, um, On the um,
3: higher end of things, Sam Shields doesn't make the Super Bowl roster without what he did in that preseason. And he was assignment sure and sound to the point where the Packers – everybody kind of forgets. Like, yes, Tremont Williams was a high-level player. Charles Woodson was – Charles Woodson but the Packers those were their two corners and that was it like Sam Shields was an unknown that they just threw out there and we were kind of like who the hell is that guy turned out to be one of the most important players on that Super Bowl run
1: absolutely well so I want to segue here into our last quick topic um it is uh, the trendy thing i guess on packers twitter right now which is um what to do with uh trevor davis um i know you guys have thoughts on this um i have had my opinion well i've, I've had my opinion go back and forth on trevor davis over the last couple of days but uh so it's been going around twitter uh, i'm sure many people have seen it if you're on twitter uh what do you do with trevor davis do you keep him as a six wide receiver uh the two main arguments are he is a great return player, great punt returner, great kick returner. We've seen that. Um, but the flip side is as far as a wide receiver, he hasn't really shown a whole lot of ability to be able to play the wide receiver position in green Bay. So the argument kind of comes down to, do you keep him as a six wide receiver and move on from somebody like Kumaro? Cause I can't imagine that they would keep seven wide receivers. Um, and we even talked about the last time, whether or not they would even keep six wide receivers. So um, where do we land on Trevor davis is trevor davis worthy of a roster spot simply because he can return kicks and punts or does he need to be able to do something beyond just returning kicks and punts jacob what, what are your thoughts on trevor davis and if he makes the roster
3: yeah your your back end of that receiver really your back end of any room save for like quarterback And that's really it. I mean, it's really just kind of your value on special teams. And what can you bring, you know, to that phase of the game? Because, you know, that was kind of the thing where, if you guys remember, when James Jones was released from the Giants, it was because he was their fourth receiver that time in that time frame. And he ended up signing back in Green Bay after that. Uh, But it was he didn't play special teams. And that was one of the biggest reasons that they released him was because he was a back end of the receiver room and brought little to no value on special teams. So that's why they cut him. As for Davis specifically, I know a lot of people have decided. It's funny to me how narratives just kind of catch fire, even though they're not accurate. Uh, Yes, okay, Trevor Davis caught a punt in the literal end zone once at Soldier Field against the Bears. Yes, that happened. And, yes, that was bad, and we all remember it. And, yes, he fumbled against the Titans, his rookie season, and he had one more fumble that year, which I don't really remember, but he's not a fumbler. And as far as returners go, Brian Gutekunst talked about it, and I don't remember when specifically, but he did talk about how there's value in that return kind of position because of the changing of field position, the changing of how teams even decide to kick off to you. Uh, the Packers know this full well because of the way they had to play, even as the rules changed against Devin Hester. And they're going to do it this year in Chicago because Cordero Patterson is on that team. And it changes the way teams want to do things when you have a player that, at a moment's notice, could break one for 70 yards. Now, the Packers, since what? Alan Rossum, maybe Will Blackman, somebody like that, haven't really had a returner that has that ability. Maybe I'm forgetting somebody, and you guys can correct me later on if I am. But that's really as far back as I go. And Alan Rossum was on the team... 20 years ago I mean that was a long time ago to finish the what I mean what does he need to do yeah obviously we all want the 2011 Packers back where the Packers fifth best receiver was Randall Cobb who was Randall Cobb and he was also Randall Cobb the kickoff and the punt returner that was dynamic that just doesn't happen there's a reason that team was so rare and now yeah you would like to see Davis add to some value as a wide receiver do I think that Jake Kumaro from the ins and outs is a better receiver than Trevor Davis? Yes, I do. The problem is, well, Jake Kumaro is a 27-year-old undrafted free agent. I think Owen likes to point out all the time that he is older than... <laughs> Jake Kumaro is older than Owen Reese. And so there you go on that. Trevor Davis is still young. He was drafted. And even though MBS does have that speed element, he's more of a long speed kind of build up into his top speed kind of thing whereas Trevor Davis it's two or three steps and he's you know round like gone going running that's an element he could bring to the offense now he may never do that but I think that again when you're looking at the back of your roster that's something you're looking for so Packers fans if you want Jake Kumaro to make the roster and that's fine if you do I'm not going to tell you what to think but then you want somebody like Natral Jamerson or a, basically a not wide receiver to win that returner spot because if a receiver wins it, he's the one who's going to make the roster and Kumaro's not winning it as a, as a receiver. So ultimately with Davis, I think he can win that roster spot solely by being a returner. And he did some other things on special teams. He was a gunner. He did some other stuff on the kickoff team, those things too. So those are really the things in training camp. When you're looking at guys that you think will make the roster, what do you watch? Who's playing in the ones on special teams? That's how we knew James Crawford was making the roster last year because he was on the ones on every single special teams unit. So that's really, uh, that's really what it's going to boil down to. I know, again, special teams aren't a sexy thing. They're something you really only notice when they suck. Like Nobody remembers that the Packers special teams unit in 2010 wasn't that good, but they weren't awful. And they won a Super Bowl that year. Now everybody noticed last year when the special teams were bad because well duh. So <laughs> it's really, it's really what it boils down to. Duh. Like when the when the when Jason Perone's favorite player, Matthew Prater, throws a touchdown against you, and the special teams coach is standing there with his arms folded as if he has no idea what the hell is going on. That sums up the special teams unit for last season right there. I'll let somebody else talk now.
1: Well, so, Jacob, quick question for you before we move back to Owen here. Um, so you mentioned Alan Rossum as the last player. So between Alan Rossum and today's roster, do either of you know – there is one Packer player that has returned a kickoff for a touchdown by from the time Alan Rossum left the team till today. Do either of you have any idea who that is? A kickoff. A kickoff, not a punt, but a kickoff I was for say a punt? touchdown.
3: Been Will, Will Blackman, but oh boy,
2: uh, Robert Ferguson, maybe? No,
3: no, not him. That Ferguson. Oh no, Ferguson was before or after. So, so,
1: so I'll give you a hint. It was his very. First game as a Packer. Oh, Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb against How the, the Saints. Did I
3: forget that I was there. He ran right at me in the end zone. Yeah, Randall
1: Cobb. So, so yeah, in the kickoff return department. Uh, touchdowns have been few and far between since the year 2000 but um, Owen, oh, i want to grab your thoughts here quickly before we wrap up because we are really kind of running over on time here but Trevor davis thoughts does he does he make the roster and is does he need to do more than just be a good return man to get that sixth spot on the roster for a wide receiver?
2: Okay, so here's the thing, right? You got 53 guys in an active roster, but here's the deal: you have 46 of them that play on Sundays, right? 45, 46, so, 46, I, I mean, believe. The more, the more people you can have that can do multiple things, that makes you much more valuable. If Jake Kumro can come in and be like, "Yeah, I can play Z," okay, cool. Trevor Davis, like, "Yeah, I can return kicks and punts and be a gunner and be on kickoff coverage and this." Like, okay, that's it's. You're simply giving yourself more chance to be on the field and you're giving yourself more flexibility as a coach or a, a coordinator and that's huge um can you be only a returner and have a spot on the roster yeah i didn't think you would have to tell green bay packers about having someone like i don't know desmond howard not be a receiver and be on the roster to kick return like i understand we're not in 1996 anymore don't get me wrong but like there's certainly a spot for that i mean kickoffs aren't the same i get that but like you don't need – this is a team that has Jimmy Graham and now Jay Sternberger and Robert Tanyan, who is a college receiver. Like, you're not trotting out, like, Kyle Brady to go, like, be your tight end and you're not asking some dude that runs, like, a 4-9 to to, spot, to split out and, and play in the slot. I mean, you've got – do you need – five wide receivers if you've got one in Jimmy Graham basically or Sternberger so I mean at that point if your fifth guy is like yeah well, he's going to be a kick returner and a gunner and a punt returner like that means more to the roster than oh god they got to put Jamon Moore on the roster because they drafted him last year like okay and Jamon Moore is going to play like one spot and not get a ton of reps I mean like you've got however many reps in a game and if a guy can be on the field for 35 of them rather than seven of them you know numbers don't it, it, just keep it easy. Don't overthink it. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think like I said, if you're a Packer fan and you're, you're rooting for Jake kumaro I think you also got to be cheering for someone like Natrell Jamerson or, or if, I don't know if they're going to try like Dexter Williams or someone like, you know, another like, like Jacob said, a non wide receiver to be the primary kickoff returner. Um, you know, but it, this, the matter of the fact is, like I said, you have more you gain an appreciation for this. I coach high school, and it's so obviously like I'm not a pro coach. Don't get me wrong. But when you're pressed in these situations and you need guys available to play, uh, and especially when you're down um, you know the game day roster is 46 guys, we have like 25 varsity players you know at the high school that I coach at realistically. so you're like, who do we have? Who can do more? Um, and you know, and those guys become more endeared to you as a coach, not because they're better players, but because they can do a lot. So I mean, it's in in the reality of like I said, this isn't it's not always Madden, and you, know, you can't just do stuff because you want to run four verts all the time and you want every every good receiver on the roster. It's there's more stuff to it, I guess. And, and is Jake Kumro a better wide receiver than Trevor Davis? Absolutely. I mean, Jamon Moore might be too, but they can't Jamon Moore, We saw, like I said, fumbled a, a punt return or a kick return against the jets last year. Uh, obviously attempting to do more, to be more valuable, to be on that spot. But um, so, I mean, that's the biggest thing is, and it really, if you disagree with like roster slot, number 45, you're probably doing okay. Cause I think there's a lot of guys that <laughs> some teams that fans have bigger issues with than than roster spot 20. So, I mean, it, it's Trevor Davis is probably not the molehill that, that Packer fans thinks it is, but, Um, you know, it it is what it is. It's the, simply put, the more you can do the best ability, the best ability is availability. And the more you can do, the harder it is for coaches to take you off the field, the more valuable you are. So I understand the folklore with Jay Kumro, who is older than I am. You're right. Um, but I mean, like it's ultimately Packer fans were mad because Donald driver wasn't on the active roster because who was the, uh, uh, Ross, uh, Receiver Jeremy Ross, thank you. It was on the roster because he was a kick returner. Everyone was like, Oh, Donald Drivers earned the right to be on the roster, be on the active roster. I was like, Oh, well, is he a better receiver than Devontae or Jordy or uh, you know Geronimo Allison right now? Well, no, okay, well, can he return kicks? No, can he play on special teams? No, okay, then like where do you want him to play? So, I mean, the reality is you can keep him on the 53 or whatever the deal is, but uh, come game day, there's decisions that need to be made, and, and it's based on who can do more so I mean Trevor Davis is that guy right now until the Packers trade one or or sign one or or maybe Darius Shepard does that or whatever the case may be but until someone does it better than him while Packer fans might not like it there really isn't an alternative so I don't know it is what it is I guess
1: you know it's funny and, and I think both of you have spoken to Something for me personally, I am a big fan of Kumaro. Jacob, I know you know that. Um, and, you know, when you guys, it's one of those things, I, I've, I've kind of tried to live by this. When you think something, say it out loud. And if, it may, if it's as dumb as it is in your head when you say it out loud, it's probably dumb. Now that you guys have said this out loud, it makes much more sense to, as... as you know as hard as it is to to think it makes more sense to keep Trevor Davis at this current moment in time than Kumaro if if it comes down to that so as much as it pains me to say um i i i want Kumaro to make the team but i guess like you said it is what it is and i'm all about doing what I- I would rather have the Packers keep somebody out necessarily, like if it's better for the team. So that's that's my whole spiel. We're way over on time, guys. So let's wrap this up here real quick. Uh, Jacob Owen, thank you guys for joining me today. Really appreciate the time. Um, Owen, if people want to follow you, how can they do that? Uh, they can follow me on Twitter. It's
2: at ReeseDraft. It's my last name and the word draft. R I E S um, E. You know, follow me for hot takes. Uh, I guess. Um, and I mean, just like I said, it's. Follow me on Twitter. I don't have a ton of stuff coming up. I'm starting to watch some 2020 draft guys because I lack social life. But uh, <laughs> outside of that, uh, yeah, just come for the jokes and then come for me being angry uh, about what most Packer fans think. But it's, it doesn't come from a place from anger. I just uh, am an old man, um, not older than Jake though,
1: though, uh, <laughs> yelling at people from my lawn. So uh, did you know he's the Bosa's cousin, too? Yes. So that was, I, I believe that was one of like the major talking points when sports shows ran out of stuff to talk Damn about. Man. So, um, and, and Jacob, if people want to follow you, how can they do that?
3: Uh, it's at Jacob Wessner. If you can also follow Owen for him complaining about stupid questions that are asked. So that's something I personally appreciate about it. But, uh, Yeah, uh, I do some stuff for Dairyland Express. I'm kind of taking a bit of a hiatus just because there's not a whole lot to talk about, and I don't want to put out crappy content just to put out content. So uh, that's kind of where I'm at with that now. You can also, uh, let's see, now this time of year it's May, so my youth baseball team, the New York Yankees, my soon-to-be-born daughter, that's really what I talk about. Oh, go Bucks! I'm rooting for the Bucks. for the – the NBA finals here, so
1: free I, the gear. Yeah, okay. I, I, I th- I'm, I'm assuming we have a lot of listeners that are rooting for the Bucks, so hopefully that'll turn out well. And uh, w- one last quick thing before we wrap up here. Um, any food arguments that you guys have been a part of since the last time we talked? I know the last time it was ranch. Any Anything new in that realm?
3: No, but I'm still mad at Ross. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs>
2: Keep Jay Kumaro so that Joey Bosa wants to sign with the Packers. That's oh the, yeah,
3: like the Jason Kidd for Giannis thing, but yeah. this one actually might be real. Yep.
1: Uh, all right. Yeah, well, I <laughs>
2: trade for PJ Watts so for JJ Signs here. There we go. Maybe the Packers can sign Gerald McCoy.
0: <laughs> all right, well, uh,
1: uh, uh, well. all right, well, so uh, all jokes aside, we're, we're out of time, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Make sure you like and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Make sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. I am your host, Nick Schmitz. You can follow me on Twitter at SportsSchmitty. We look forward to the There's next no – point. He never tweets. <laughs> and, and Jacob is not wrong except for when I – tweet at him stupid things about like when jay coomer will be the number two wide receiver on the roster so um with that we are out of time make sure you guys tune in tomorrow for more great coverage on otas thanks again for listening everyone and go pack
0: go third and six trailing 30 to 23 two minutes straight up to go in the game San Francisco showing a blitz through the A-gap, and here they come, Rodgers looking, throws left side of the, the end zone, here it is, touchdowns, come yes. Adams, left corner of the end zone from Aaron Rodgers, 16-yard touchdown pass, the Packers an extra point away from getting this game tied. Bethard on third, down and three, in the shotgun. Football to the 46 at Green Bay. Packers showing a blitz, and here they come. Bethard looking, as he throws it, deep down the right sideline, and it's Intercepted on the play! Spectacular interception by Kevin King at the nine-yard line of Green Bay! Snap to Rodgers looking right Throws the right side thing. Brown makes the oh him, 38 out of bounds! Oh, he reached back to gather it in. Using all six, five of his frame. Tumbled out of bounds. Inside the 30 of the 28 yard line. Snap to Rodgers. Looking downfield. Throws the left side. the got him. Out of bounds. Goodness, what a throw and catch! Again they beat Maven down the left sideline. Hunter Bradley the snap. JK Scott down on one knee, arm extended. Here it is. Placement made. Kick is up. Yes. Yes. Yes, yes, it is good! It is Mason delivers the dagger! Go. One week after his worst day ever, he delivers the dagger tonight! And the Packers win 33-30.